Welcome to the BrokerCast presented by Vertica Systems. The podcast is built for business brokers by business brokers. Each week we sit down with new pros in the industry to learn their secrets, get tips, tricks, insights, and more, and how you can become a better broker and close more deals faster. Now here are your hosts, Sean Littman and Josh Factor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another great episode of the BrokerCast. I'm super excited to sit down today. Josh and I are super excited to sit down today with a really special guest. His name is Vipin Singh. Vipin is a business broker out of out of New Jersey with Murphy Business Sales. And Vipin has a really cool, interesting story where he pivoted into business brokering recently and is just absolutely killing it. And so we, we wanted to have him on the show to get his take and how he went from his previous career to pivoting into being a business broker, learning how he's done it, his successes, his trials, his errors, all that other fun stuff. And before we dive into the podcast, I do want to do a little station identification. This show is proudly sponsored by and powered by Vertica Systems, the ultimate all-in-one um, CRM system for business brokers. Literally, you don't need anything else if you're using Vertica Systems. We've been around longer than anybody else in the game. It's been it's built for brokers by brokers using all our knowledge that we've had over the past two decades or so creating this system to make your life so much easier. So all you have to do is log in, put up your leads and sell more, sell more faster and gain your commissions. So if you're interested in learning more about Vertica systems and Vertica CRM, there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Without further ado, no one cares about me talking. Let's hear it from Vipin. How are you? Good, Sean. Thanks for having me. And hi, Josh. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. You know, when we spoke the other night, you just had so much. Uh, we, we we were talking like we were going to be on the podcast, but we we're just having a regular conversation over the phone. And I was like, I'm so excited to have this guy on the show because he's got a lot to talk about. So I guess really, how did it all begin? Like what, I mean, what, what's your story? Yeah. So, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, uh, great to share what we do, how we do, why we do what we do. So. You know, starting with the why, uh, that's important. I was in the corporate sector post business school doing finance risk management, consulting work with large companies like GM, Morgan Stanley, PwC. Visa was my last employer. All great organizations. I learned a lot, had some great colleagues and uh, leaders I worked with. But essentially I wasn't really feeling challenged. You know, I wasn't really seeing, uh, enough in my future career path there. So I was uh, looking for other options. I started with exploring uh, buying a business myself. And Mm -hmm. interestingly, the brokers I reached out to, it wasn't a very long search process. Uh, I understand now that searching a business can be many years of grueling uh, outreach, et cetera. I didn't really spend many years. It was a few months of reaching out to a few brokers in my network and didn't really see any good deals. And uh, then I started looking at franchises as I felt franchises would have a little more structure to them. In the US, it's a little more uh, structured process with some oversight from FTC. So I was looking for B2B franchises and spoke with a few different uh, brands. And over time, found that there's an option to buy a business brokerage franchise. So I spoke with a few different business brokerage franchise uh, companies and ended up selecting Murphy Business Sales as some of the conversations I had with a few colleagues uh, in New Jersey and even other parts of the country. I was really impressed by some of the talent and credentials that the other Murphy offices uh, brought to the table. And I felt like if they did it, I could do it. And 
I wanted to do something in this space, working with small business owners. At one point, I was looking to be like a fractional CFO. And in a lot of ways, what we do as business brokers, it's not just uh, matching buyers and sellers. We need to get deep into the financials of a business. We need to understand what sort of issues a business owner might have. Sometimes we need to tell them to go back, clean up the issues, and then come back to the market because a lot of small businesses are not sellable because their financials are not in a good position. And there are other issues as well that they need to resolve before uh, finding a good buyer and having a good transaction. So that's that's the long answer to a short question. But I enjoy uh, working with business owners and uh, really find it fulfilling when I'm able to see a successful transaction all the way through to the finish line. That's awesome. And I mean, like you said, that it, it's funny that you were looking into franchise, you were looking to buy a business and you were looking into franchises and then you bought a business brokerage franchise. Yeah, exactly. So now <laughs> I understand what it means to buy a franchise. I understand what it means to buy a business. I understand when deals happen, when deals don't happen. And obviously, you know, I'm still learning. It's, it's not like I've figured out everything. One of the reasons I joined a franchise group versus uh, doing it independently, which the jury is still out. A lot of people uh, in my business brokerage community want to be independent is, uh, you know, I felt that I needed the experience and the knowledge and the training as I was coming from a very different background where, uh, you know, there is a thing called DCF, discounted cash flow that's used for uh, modeling uh, future cash flows and then discounting it to the present value for large companies, established companies with stable revenue. Now, that's the model that is used, that is taught in business schools. But in the small business brokerage world, we hardly ever use that or need that. It's based on multiples of your earnings and, uh, you know, how those earnings are reported and how they are adjusted. That's There's a lot of art and science and it's not just uh, like, you know, you've learned everything in, in one school or one book and you can go and apply it. You need a lot of experience and my colleagues uh, help me every time I have an issue and they're there to guide me. So it That's helps. pretty awesome. I mean, in terms of like when you're looking into finding the right franchise, is there any reason specifically you went with Murphy or over some of the other ones like EXP or some of the other big like franchise names out there? There's quite a few out there. I, I always ask the question, you know, why yeah. join a franchise in the first place? Yeah. So this might Murphy. sound like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, advertising Murphy, but essentially I think for me, it came down to my personal conversations, which I had with a few folks, like I said, in New Jersey, as that's the team I work most closely with. But I was introduced to the brand by someone in North Carolina. Uh, a broker by the name of Ron Buck. He's an investment banker, ex-investment banker, worked with Wachovia and other uh, large investment banks. And now he's helping small businesses uh, do their M&A transactions. And he's a great resource for us. He conducts trainings every Friday for all the new brokers and you know, experienced brokers also sometimes join to share their experiences. He's always uh, providing us training and coaching. And uh, you know, I, I felt like if someone like him is doing it, I definitely would want to join the team. I, you know, I had conversations with other groups as well, not with EXP. I wanted to work more with a firm that does business brokerage and focuses on business M&A versus I know EXP also does estate. real estate a lot. Mm-hmm. So we do real estate only if it's part of a business transaction. So if a restaurant owner, for example, owns the building and wants us to help them sell it, uh, we'll do that. But we are not for example, doing like multifamily or 
an empty warehouse which has no business uh, tenant there you know we hardly ever get involved in leasing discussions so i know exp and other real estate firms do that as well so we try to stay in our lane and you know focus on the work we do because otherwise we'll get distracted and uh, it's hard to kind of be good at everything no for sure i noticed i noticed that um when i first started off in you know the business brokerage industry I was actually, it was immediately after 9-11, I was actually in the IT business. I, I did, I was the guy who, uh, an IT project manager, fancy title for the guy who crawls under your desk and fixes your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, you know, it was a recession and I, I got laid off from my very high paying job and I, nobody was hiring. So I fell into business brokerage and I joined one of these uh, larger firms that had, you know, lots of services. And I was with them for about 15 years. And I, I have to say, after two or three years of, you know, doing the same thing, um, I, I realized one of my regrets, and I'll share with you, is that I, I should have gone out on my own a lot earlier. Um, I could have earned a lot more money in my pocket. There's there's three words that I, I discovered that are really important. And if you can keep to those three words, you can make a lot of money in the business brokerage industry. It's very simple. Patience tenacity, and uh, persistence. If you can keep to those three words, yeah, you can you can get it. And, and I, you know, looking and, back, and I, I want to add I one more. You- I want to add one more thing, and on, on, like to take like kind of sub with persistence. Follow ups lead to fortunes. If, if follow ups lead to fortunes, and this is why automations and follow ups and phone calls. Like you don't, that, that's how you end up making your money. I've been in sales since I was 13 and whether it's been selling businesses, whether it's been selling, you know, chocolates on the street, pizza, whatever, follow-ups lead to fortunes. And that's how in, in, you know, it's what goes with the persistence and the tenacity, because if you're not following up with people, you're just leaving so much money on the table and you don't have to feel scared to follow up with them. You have to just All those new brokers out there. You know, I got to tell you, I came into the industry knowing nothing. I really didn't know the difference between gross and and, and net. Mm -hmm. But I asked questions and I learned and I followed. I I took a mentor. uh, um, I took on a mentor and and I became one of the top brokers in in the New York tri-state area. Um, It's not it's not a lot. of It's not a it's not brain 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 science. It's not rocket science. It's just a lot of work. And you got to kiss a lot of frogs. But if you can do it, if you have the tenacity, you can make a lot of money. Right. Well, it's, it's not hard work. Well, my question is really to you, Vipin, is that you came from corporate. You came from like the, the business world, like, you know, back end business world, back office type of business world stuff. Like, did you have any like sales experience before that? Or you just kind of learned how, on the fly and learned how to adapt and learned how to talk to people and just like, Cause like generally like corporate stuff, you know, like depending yeah. on what you're doing in that space, you know, yeah. it's not, it, you know, there's not a lot of sales. You're not doing like, you know, sales. Yeah. So I would say when I was a consultant, you are kind of selling your project work to potential clients or even when you're executing, you're sort of looking for more project work to keep the pipeline full. Right. So right. I was doing that kind of sale, which is, I would say a long sales cycle. It's not like you are you know, sending five emails based on a pipeline and you're sort of closing on a deal. It's it's more like you nurture relationships and, you know, over time right. it kind of leads to more projects. And before business school, I've done some telemarketing and 
uh, sort of remote sales work. So I did have that experience, but uh, it was maybe 20 years ago that I did that. So uh, I guess it was still in me somewhere. So I enjoyed the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, and that's all part of it. Like, you know, you eat what you kill. I mean, yeah. I get it. I, 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 you know, running your own business, running your own company. Like I've, I've had multiple businesses and when you're, and when you're running the show, exactly you eat what you kill and it, but it's exciting. I've had this conversation actually with multiple people, like a lot of people who like work for comp, like work for companies and they say, Oh, you know, and you, and you know, it's, it's hard to be a business owner. You know, there's great days. There's awesome times where you're making tons of money and everybody's happy. And then there's times where you're just not making any money and everyone's pissed off. And like, and, and I've had this conversation with many people who just like don't get it. And actually recently this week, I was having this conversation with somebody, you know him too, Josh. Um, and we, and I was just kind of explaining to him a few different things I'm dealing with, with one of my business companies. And he's like, no, nah, you, you know, like him, giving me the runaround. I'm like, dude, like, you go to work, you get paid like a bajillion shekels a month to do, to sit at a desk and, and talk to people and do whatever you do. And you get to come home, you get a paycheck. You have no responsibility outside of your working hours. You don't have anybody else you have to feed and you don't have to deal with all the other fun stuff that comes with it. Enjoy yourself, yeah. enjoy your life, but don't tell me running a business is hard. <laughs> it, it, I'm saying it's easy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool though. It's, it's really cool. You know? Going yeah. On the main street side and, you know, laundromats, for example, are a favorite of uh, a lot of our potential buyers. People don't understand what it means to uh, own and run a business. And every time someone tells me a laundromat is easy to run, Mm -hmm. I ask them or I would like to ask them if uh, the conversation goes that far that have you ever owned a real estate property, which is considered to be one of the most passive investments, right? But mm-hmm. people who have owned real estate uh, properties tell me or tell us that the first thing you need to do is find a good property manager. Yeah. Because if if you don't have good property managers and things break down when you're sitting down on the dinner table with your family, you have to run and scramble and fix issues. It's like one of the most passive I, investments, and you are pulling your hair out at the you know odd I, hour. I I know how that is. I used to have a property company. And, and, and that was the first thing I did. I found, I I was like, I need to find somebody who I can trust. Who's going to be on top of this. Who's going to be able to manage all our stuff. So that way I'm not going out there fixing, fixing one something in one of the buildings. I'm not running out to, you know, God knows where to deal with it. And absolutely. And it's crazy. People think it's easy money. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there and some of that is incomplete information and sometimes it's bad information and, you know, people hear it, see it, and they are like, I just want to follow the herd. And sometimes some people are successful. That's who kind of shows up on podcasts and, you know, that's, that's the message well, that gets look repeated. Where we yeah. are. <laughs> and then uh, people who are not successful, they are not coming out and sharing their, you know, failures as much. So, you have to really be careful of, uh, you know, what sort of you're uh, going with. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, I guess, you know, so what was a recent transaction where you helped the business owner navigate the challenges in the MMA, M&A transaction world? So my most recent one was with a pool service company. And uh, this was a business owner who inherited the business because unfortunately her husband passed away a couple of years ago. So oh. She was running it with her family and she lost her pool technician 
early last year. That's when she had reached out to me and asked if uh, I can help sell their business. And essentially, uh, when we did the first valuation, we kind of told her a value which she didn't like. And she said, this doesn't really work for us. Uh, we can't really go to market at this price. So nothing happened. And then a few months later, to her credit, she realized and made some improvements and also kind of, you know, business grew a little bit. So she reached out and asked if uh, we can try at a certain you know, lower price point. And we were flexible. We uh, listed the business. We got lots of buyers. And uh, eventually the buyer who ended up buying the business was someone who had the skill set and the experience to hire a pool technician because, like I was saying, in terms of laundromats, a lot of people have information online that home service businesses are great. They're Amazon proof, easy to buy, easy to run, easy to scale. No. But as soon as they, yeah, as soon as they found out they have to hire a pool technician, they need to learn the business from other employees. They need to manage employees who are essentially, you know, daily wage, uh, part time contract labor none of them had the kind of courage to move forward. You know, they would sign the NDA, maybe have the initial meeting with the seller. And after that, it'll just be, you know, no follow-up, nothing, no responses there's to a, our emails. There's a general rule of thumb when, when dealing with businesses like this. Classic example you mentioned before is a laundromat. Yeah. Um, I, tell my, I told my customers all the time, an absentee business is a great business, but don't, just don't let it be an absent business. Yeah. yeah. Because what you, the way you treat your business, it's going to treat you back. And I, I got to tell you, I, I mentioned this to you when we spoke pre- previously. I've sold many, many, many laundromats in my career as a business broker. But there's one laundromat that, that is, I have a lot of affection to, for. I, I sold this same business in two years four times. Right. And, and, and I made more money in commissions on this laundromat than any of the buyers or the sellers of that laundromat combined. Because each one of these people said, you know what, I'm going to make money. I'm going to just have the money just come in. I'm not going to do anything. And every single time I sold the business, it sold for less and less and less money. Until the last guy, he just gave it up. Ah. So it's an important lesson. Yeah. You always have to have some something in the something in the pot. You always have to have some skin in the game to to make your business um, successful. Yeah. That, that's yeah. so interesting, though. I just wanted to chime in there. Yeah. Is that you guys keep talking about laundromats? What's the effect, like the effect, like the affinity to laundromats with business? Like, people, like you said, people just think it's passive income, and mm-hmm. you don't actually have to maintain the washing machines, and you don't actually have to make sure that someone's working behind the counter, and you don't have to like. Meaning laundromat laundromats tend to be in more urban areas and tend to be in 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 more in different like those type of areas yeah. and also you're dealing with a different type of clientele and it, it just because it seems passive on like on paper you know again you're excited yourself it's just like the pool business you have to have someone who's a technician like laundry machine like washing machines and dryers break yeah. like if you don't you, you know you can't just like collect the coins at the end of the day but what is it like with, why is this why people like to buy them because they think it's just easy money yeah, and, you know, there are uh, lots of videos on TikTok and other platforms where uh, some of these businesses get promoted a lot. So, you know, all the all the tools, digital marketing tools are essentially promoting some of these businesses, which, uh, you know, there are some 
winners in the process. Some people are doing well. Yeah, but that, of... but that's all subject to you in terms of the market. Yeah. It's, you know, meaning, meaning just because you buy a laundromat doesn't mean it's going to turn into like a pile of gold. That's all subject to your marketing and how you, it's like with yeah. anything, like what makes you so special? Like right. I, when, whenever I sit down with a client, um, to do a consult to them, I, I say my first question is what makes you so special? Why should anybody give a crap about you? Because yeah. at the end of the day, Every, there's everybody, everything is, is, everything is the same. There's no, but it's all about how you make it different, how you make it unique and put your spin on it. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what banks look for example, for example. So going back to the transaction, uh, you know, one of the issues was people didn't have experience and they wanted to borrow money from SBA and they had no mm-hmm. savings and, you know, banks obviously look for some skin in the game. So you have to have some down payment. But uh, experience is a huge factor. They look for resume. They look for, do you have any background, any experience that uh, will fit with this business? So obviously, you know, you can you can tell a good story, but uh, you have to be comfortable running businesses like these. And uh, people don't realize that before uh, they sort of get into that entire discussion. That's so interesting. In terms of the pool company, it seems like your niche is small businesses, which is awesome. So like what type of like revenue are these guys generally doing? Like in terms of net, like, like in the million, six figures or, or less than six figures? So some are less than six figures. This pool company was close to a million in revenue. Uh, wow. another client of mine is a retail store that's close to two million in revenue. So yeah, revenue numbers do, uh, go into seven figures sometimes uh, recently uh, not me personally but uh, as a company we sold a roofing company that uh, is close to eight figures in revenue and uh, it sold for a very high seven figure number so it, awesome. it ranges uh, our average deal size is close to a million in terms of value but okay. that's because we do a lot of small size transactions even less than a million half a million sometimes hundred thousand Really? But, you ta- uh, you would take something that low? Yeah. So the value of the business is dependent on profitability, right? So even a million dollar revenue business, if there's no profit, it will That's get true. valued much lower. So, uh, yeah. And what? a lot of it is based on referrals, recommendations. So if someone is willing to work with us, we have a retainer up front. Our commissions are not the cheapest. EXP, I'm sure, would probably come out compete us on the commission side because unlike real estate uh, companies, we tend to work for nine to twelve months on average with every client. You know, I know real estate, you can close transactions over a weekend. So, you know, we have to work a lot with our clients. We need to understand business financials, business fundamentals. We need to work with very sophisticated buyers. We need to sort of deal with data rooms, etc. That I know Vertica offers. So, you know, all of that technology and tool um, and how to deal with buyers and sellers, it's uh, a little bit of a higher price point and sometimes uh, business owners are not comfortable with it. But if they are and if they are a smaller business, but they realize the value we bring to the table, we uh, still are able to work with them. Well, I think that actually, honestly, I think that model makes a lot of sense for small businesses to pay a retainer and, and then whatever the commission, you make your commission, because at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're putting in the work. They, they're not so like skilled in the M&A side of things. And, you know, they know that they do, they know their yeah. business, but they don't know like how to do all. And this is why they're smaller in, and this is why they're trying to get rid of the pro, the, the thing. So yeah. I think that's actually very smart that you guys take that retainer and the, com- and the commissions 
because you're you're putting in you're doing a lot of the work that these guys if they were bigger companies probably already have on the books and already have all that information so you're kind of dealing making their lives even easier and i think that's a very good value proposition yeah and just give me one second because my laptop for some reason is not plugged in so it will go to sleep let me just plug it in one sec no problem no problem whatsoever we'll edit this out <laughs> I'm back. Sorry, I didn't realize it was unplugged. No, it's all good. Um, no, so I guess that's really cool. The, but why did you want to touch small businesses? I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, people want to go for the bigger commissions, bigger payouts. You know, you're dealing multiple, like seven, eight figure deal, like businesses, bigger commission. What what drove you to to small businesses? So I think the size is relative. Uh, as I said, we have closed larger transactions and that's obviously my goal as well to go up market gradually, right? So, you know, make smaller mistakes in the beginning and then uh, learn from those and go up market from there. Uh, in terms of smaller business, I think even though if it might be a million dollar revenue or a $2 million revenue, these businesses have created legacies for business owners, right? Their kids have gone to school and college and you know, these might seem like small business compared to the billions of dollars that uh, public companies talk about, but these, these are life changing, uh, you know, assets. A lot of business owners, uh, this is like 80, 90% of their uh, net worth. So I don't take it lightly. I uh, enjoy the process of uh, talking to business owners and both on the buy side and sell side, right? These are, in general, I would say very sophisticated individuals who have uh, grown a business. Sometimes uh, they have inherited a small business, make it made it larger. In other cases, they started from scratch. You you learn a lot just by talking to them and seeing you know how they kind of made their decisions, what helped them, what struggles they faced. And uh, like I said, my initial goal was to buy a business. So by doing this, I'm I'm learning how business owners run their businesses. I'm learning how deals are being made. I'm trying to uh, figure out, you know, what market uh, kind of realities exist out there. So if and when I find something that I would like to invest in, I would be much better prepared first to buy and then to operate. Uh, just you also first get to see the opportunities. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Well, I guess before we wrap up, this was, first of all, it was fun having you. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is kind of coming in like you, who wants to pivot careers, doesn't find corporate, doesn't find what they're currently doing very exciting, but yeah. wants to be a business broker? What would you, what advice would you give to them if they came to you today? So my advice would be a repeat of what Josh was saying in the beginning, right? This business is such that uh, you need the patience, perseverance, tenacity, uh, cash flows are very volatile in this business. Some people call it feast or famine. So mm-hmm. it's not a good business for someone who's looking for a steady paycheck. It can be very rewarding if you're able to close lots of transactions. And sometimes it happens, but I've seen even the most successful business brokers have great years and then they fall back to be the average business broker, right? Because they close a huge transaction in a certain year, but then the next year is not the same. So it's it's hard to uh, maintain a pipeline, but obviously with tools like a good CRM tool, Vertica being one of them. So I'm seriously considering it. You know, you can uh, stabilize that process. You can make the process a little bit easier for yourself. But 
This is not a quick sale. Uh, on average, we take nine to 12 months to sell a business after we find a good business. So it takes time to find a good business, first of all. Uh, when I bought the franchise to my franchisor's credit, I was told clearly that the first 18 to 24 months, there might not be much in terms of cash flows or revenue because, you know, there is that retainer that we charge, but, uh, you know, that might not be anything for someone who has a whole uh, household budget to manage, right? So it would be great if someone has savings. A lot of business brokers actually are ex-business owners. Uh, they sold their business maybe through a company like ours. They saw the process and they realized that, they could leverage a similar process and leverage their network and sell other businesses and help their uh, colleagues and their network. So a lot of business brokers come from a business ownership background, but more and more people like me are joining this uh, industry because it is kind of uh, like investment banking for the main street, right? So we are making deals happen for very small businesses and even investment banking bonuses sometimes are great and sometimes they are not so great. People get laid off when deals are not happening. So uh, investment banking M&A has its own uh, cycles in terms of economic uh, recessions and so on. It's also so, a, a growing industry because we're right at a point at the point right now where all the baby boomers are retiring. Yeah. All the all the business owners who are baby boomers, they need to get out of their business and they don't know what to do. They come to yeah. a business broker and they're happy to earn those commissions. That's true. Yeah, there's a silver tsunami it's sometimes referred to as. I'm a certified exit planning advisor. So, you know, uh, we have uh, lots of data in terms of how business owners struggle with selling their own business. There are stats out there that 80% of the business owners who sell their business on their own have a seller's remorse because they end up realizing later on that either the price was not right or the terms they got were not as per what the rest of the market is offering. So, you know, we are trying to educate as many business owners as possible, but uh, it requires uh, more of us to be out there and also requires tools and technology so we can uh, spread the message to the right audience at the right time, right? That's very cool. It's very, very cool. Well, Vipin, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I really, learning from your, from your eyes, being in this pretty fresh, you know, you, you already really got yourself sorted and you're really into it. And I think it's awesome. So I'm, like I said, I'm happy we had you on the show. I'm going to drop all of Vipin's contact information in the show notes. If anybody is in the New Jersey area looking to connect with Vipin or looking to sell a business through him, he's definitely, from what we've heard, is a fantastic broker and he really knows the stuff. And I think the fact that you also have that finance background really helps also. Like, I think that's kind of like your leg up too, is that you have that finance background and like you, this is what you did before you pivoted. So I think you are in a better position than some other people where you might have, they might have to outsource it or deal with some, you know, but you're like a one-stop shop. Yeah, we do business valuation work as well. Uh, there's valuation I can do. There's certified valuation partners we work with in case there's an IRS or other issues to deal with. So yeah, That's I awesome. uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to uh, having more such opportunities in the future. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, guys, Vipin's contact information is going to be in the show notes. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And until next week, we'll catch you later. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to another great episode of The BrokerCast, powered by Vertica Systems and hosted by Sean Littman and Josh Factor. Tune in next week as we sit down with another great power hitter in the brokerage world. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on all major podcasting platforms. And to learn more about Vertica, visit www.verticacrm.com.